Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome to episode nine. Um, due to some feedback we've gotten, we are in fact going to do an episode on the Enneagram. We were kind of in between whether we should do this or not. It has been done a lot, um, but we're going to put our spin on it. So here we go. The Enneagram is a ancient personality framework, um, I would say, and yep. Rebecca's going to come in on this in just a second, but we're going to put a test uh, yes. in the show notes. So what you should probably do if you're going to listen to this, because we're going to talk about all the numbers, you should probably just take the test now because the minute we start talking about it, you're going to be like, well, I don't want to know what my number is. So stop this <laughs> podcast, go take the test that is linked and then come back and we will dive into it a little deeper and just know that the number you see or hear that you're like, oh, that sounds so annoying. That's probably your number. It's true. Um, and also know that you'll go through some stages with processing this yeah. information as we all have. So, yes. okay, bye. Go take a test. Okay, are you back? <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Rebecca, tell us a little bit about the Enneagram. Okay, so it is an a- ancient personality typing system, but it, I feel like it's so much more than that because I the myth- personality is probably the wrong word. Yes, but that's 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 the only w- way I can like summarize it in like a couple of words but when most people hear personality typing system they think a Myers-Briggs or a strength finder or something like that which those are all great tests Mm -hmm. they're fascinating to me but this is much different this comes more to like your core of who you are can I give you an example of that I don't know if this is going to even make sense but I kind of think of it the any so if you think about your soul as having an anatomy and a physiology your Enneagram is sort of your anatomy Mm -hmm. and your personality is the physiology so the way I look at it, like your Enneagram number is the way you are built and wired. And that is independent of your outside circumstances, your personality, which is yes. always evolving and changing, yes. especially depending on what Enneagram number you are. That's yes. the thing, too. Um, whereas the physiology, how it all works together is yeah. more your personality. Those are things you've adapted to over time. Those are things mm-hmm. you've grown in or d- digressed in. Um, so I think of it that way, like your Enneagram number, your um, kind of the, it's your anatomy. It's like, those are your core beliefs about yourself, your core fears, your core values. And those kind of don't change over time. They get healthier, but they are pretty standard. Just like your heart pumps blood. Yeah. This is how it is. So that's how I think of it. Definitely. So, um, and just history wise, for those of you that are nerds like me, um, the Enneagram has been around for a very long time. Nobody really knows where it comes from, but a lot of people have traced it back um, to um, the um, the desert monks back in like the fourth century. But it is not Christian. It, well, there's some traces that it, it does go back all the way to like really the the, the desert brothers and sisters um, and the seven deadly sins. So uh-huh. all of that work that came out was seven, seven deadly sins. That's kind of how it links up to the Enneagram. That, I mean, there there's a lot of, um, thought about where it came from, but it does. Then it started making its way into other world religions, and you start seeing it in in Islam, in uh-huh. Judaism, and various forms um, in New Ageism. You see, you, yeah, it got kind of got adapted. But it originally, some people think originally it came from like the fourth century Christian, interesting, like spiritual formation. But when it was brought to the U.S., it was brought to the U.S. in the seventies by um, a Chilean psychiatrist. 
um, who brought it to um, Loyola University, which is a Jesuit um, university. And so um, a Catholic priest kind of took took it and um, developed it into a Christian formation, spiritual formation tool. And that's when that started happening in the 70s. And then that's when Richard Rohr, who most people know about when they think of the Enneagram, took it. He was a Franciscan friar. Um, so he's a Catholic priest and he took it and brought it to the masses as a spiritual tool tool. So his book came out in the nineties about, um, discovering the Enneagram and it being a part of a spiritual journey. And so that happened in the seventies to the nineties and people that were real into that area of psychology and into that area of spiritual formation knew about it, but it was very niche. Mm -hmm. Um, and then recently in the past few years, a man named Ian Crone has brought it. He wrote, he wrote a book called the road back to you. And that kind of brought it to a more, um, more to the masses, um, as a, um, Christian evangelical, um, spiritual formation tool. And so (laughs) it has had lots of iterations and, but he has brought it back to where people are starting to go back to Richard Rohr and some of those people. And Ian Crone's a pastor. He was a pastor. Yes. Mm -hmm. He's a pastor and, um, has written a couple of other books, um, about his own spiritual formation. He's a priest. Sorry. Episcopal priest. Yes. And so, um, that's kind of, where all, that's the history of all of that. And a lot of what I'm going to refer to when we talk about the Enneagram is going to come from Ian Crone. So I just want to give him the credit that I did not make yes. up this stuff on my own. Yes. I am digesting it in my own form, but he's, he's the basis for most of my, him and yes. Richard Rohr are the basis of most of my studies. So. As most people I would say right now, yes. I'm talking about it or yeah. getting it from those two yeah. sources. Um, awesome. So we're going to kind of go into a little bit about the different. So let's talk about the, um, the sections heart, head, and gut. Is gut the third one? Yes. Um, but before we talk about that, I think we should kind of go into why, because I think that's yes. the next question is okay. why would you even take this test? Not, okay. I mean, I think that sometimes we just like to take quizzes. Like most women would say they love to take quizzes yes. in the female magazines. It's just fun to like learn more about yourself, but like we take those things and then we forget about them, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it is. Uh, you know, what friend's character are you? Like, we love those yes, quizzes yes. on on social media. But but why would we spend the effort of, like, really digging into this? So why did you do the Enneagram? So I did it because a lot of people told me to, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason I, what I've really gotten out of it, um, and I think this applies to anybody, whatever number you are or aren't, Um, I have learned about my sin patterns, not in a way to condemn myself, but in a way to just understand myself and see, because I think a lot of times when we're caught in a cycle of sin, we can justify it. We can get super defensive. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of it was, I just didn't understand my motives. Like I knew I was weird about certain things or like I knew things would happen. I'd be like, I'm overreacting to this or like, I'm you know, this person did this and it shouldn't be this big of a mm-hmm. deal, but for whatever reason it was. And that, that kind of, that lack of self-knowledge was really starting to bug me. And I was really yeah. just kind of like, and you know, I had done a Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFP. So that brought a little bit of clarity, yeah. but it still didn't answer those deep questions of, mm-hmm. okay, but, but why, you know, this mm-hmm. kind of tell you, like, this is how you perceive things. This is how you recharge, whatever. But yeah. I didn't understand like why I did the things I did. Yeah. Um, and so I think, doing the Enneagram, that's really what I've gotten out of it is I understand my deep motives mm-hmm. and that helps me to turn away from them. Yeah. Because I think when you don't see something, yeah. you're just kind of being driven by it. But now yeah. that I've, I can see like, 
and you can go on and read and we'll talk a little bit about each mm-hmm. type, but um, just my type as an example, I tend to be somebody who is motivated by um, trying to find worth and value and trying to be unique. So now yep. that I know that about myself, yep. I can recognize when I'm doing it and I can choose something else, which yes. is really ultimately, I think the goal yes. of self-knowledge is not to just be, you know, because if I went on the rest of my life being like, a quest to be unique all the time, that would yeah. not, that would not help me. That would just, yeah. Right. So, yeah. It, so knowing it so that I can be different, it's yeah. really been like my thing. What about you? Yeah. So, well, what I was going to say with a couple of things you touched on, the yeah. great thing about the Enneagram is it gets down to, so there's, there's a, a de- one deadly sin. Um, mm-hmm. Not that you only have one sin, but there's like one that's associated with each number. There's a fear associated with each number and a moti- core motivation associated with each one. So I think that's that's so much different than any other personality. And what's going to really suck is once you see that, yeah. you're going to see it everywhere. And it's yes. going to feel like when you buy a car <laughs> and you've yeah. never noticed that car before and yeah. suddenly everybody drives a Chevy Traverse and you're like, wait a second. Why does everyone have this car? This is so weird. Yeah. It's going to feel like that. So when I first found out that like envy was my course, yes. at first I was like, really envy? Like, huh? But then yes. I started seeing it everywhere. And so you'll go through a period where yes. you're like, oh my God, all I do is envy. Yes. And I'm just, but it'll get better. So yeah, it do will. it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I think about um, John Calvin um, once said that without knowledge of self, there's no knowledge of God. Uh-huh. And so for me, I spent so many years of my life um, studying theology and studying the Bible. And those are all great things, but I, it was very an outside of myself kind of experience. And so I thought I knew everything about God, but Mm. I knew nothing about myself. And as a result of that, I didn't really know God. Mm. I knew about him, but I didn't know him because I didn't know who I was in relation to him. So I think that that has really, that's what's been most impactful to me. And and this isn't like the only thing I've done. This has been part of the process of self-awareness and about spiritual formation. Like this is just one of those tools, but it's been a very effective tool for me in moving me closer to self-awareness so that I can figure out how much I need God, what motivates me in my relationship with God, what motivates me in my relationship with other people. um, And those are all interconnected. Absolutely. And that's what's great about the Enneagram. And it helps me. you to see more deeply how much God loves you. Because yes. when you can clearly look at yourself and yeah. see all of the nitty gritty and be horrified by it, but then take yes. comfort in the fact that Jesus loves you just as much. It doesn't yes. change. And he knows all your grossness. And it's like, if we don't know our yuck, yes, then we don't really understand yes. that. grace, which is the next series that we're going to be talking about. And this is kind of how this is a link because we've been talking about the integration of our souls mm-hmm. and spiritual formation. And I feel like the Enneagram is a good segue into talking about grace Absolutely. because Enneagram is great spiritual formation tool, but it's also a really great starting off point to see how badly we need Jesus and how badly we need yes. grace. Absolutely. So, and, and also for me, like, so like what you were saying about, about the, um, Enneagram being kind of just who we were created to be, how God created us. And we all have, you know, in my 38 years of life, we've all gone through stuff, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's in childhood or adulthood or teenagers, whatever. And those, we start to see the world and ourselves through like clouded eyes mm-hmm. because of all of those things. And so we move away from who we were really created to be. And so yes. when we go on this journey of finding out who we are, it kind of returns us back to the health, back to the healthy version of who we were created to be. And so that's another part that's been huge for me. Also, you just reminded me of something we should have said at the beginning. Um, when you're taking the test, yes. take it as if you were 20 years old. Yeah. 
So think in the terms of you as a young adult, because yes. if you try to take it now and you're in your like thirties or forties, hopefully you've grown yes. and you've become like adaptive and sort of like become healthier. But think of yeah. it as your young adult self yeah. is what they say to do if you're struggling with like how to answer something. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and and I like um, Rebecca said earlier, I think, you know, be prepared anytime we go through journeys of self-discovery it can be jarring Mm -hmm. so but also that how fulfilling it could be and that this is not just for the Enneagram this is just in general if you're on kind of a journey of figuring out more who God is and who you are it it can bring to light things that are kind of yucky that need to be dealt with but as you deal with it it can be so much more your life will be richer because of it absolutely and I think it's good to say there's no perfect models Um, I think that I think that Enneagram is being touted right now as this like end-all be-all mm-hmm. um, and if you just know your Enneagram number you'll know everything about yourself and other people and God and um, while I agree that it is super helpful and it's probably the most helpful tool I'm using right now for self-discovery I I want to make sure we know that it's not yes. in the Bible <laughs> so it's yeah. not perfect but it's right. a really great tool yeah it's so, a resource it's a resource for sure absolutely a great resource um, so yeah, so we'll go back to the triads. Yeah, let's go to the triads. Okay, so um, so each so there's nine numbers, so that means there are three triads with three numbers in them. So you have your gut triad, which is your eight, nine, and one, which is they're driven by anger and um and in their like a gut guttural reaction. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how they process things. And then your next triad is your heart triad, which is two, threes, and fours. Um, so they are two, threes, and fours are feeling and heart driven, but they're also super image conscious. Mm-hmm. So two, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about as a four and a three are currently talking to you. Um, so we, we, both of us live in this triad, yes. um, but twos, um, focus on the needs of others, but that's where they get, get their image consciousness from is they're, mm. they're focusing on the needs of others. Threes have trouble recognizing their own feelings at all, which mm-hmm. is me. And then fours focus only on their own feelings mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of other feelings. So that's that's the heart feeling triad when we talk about that. And then the last triad is five, six, and seven, which is the head triad. So um and they're they're driven very much by fear. Mm-hmm. So fives um externalize fear. Okay. Um sixes internalize it. And sevens forget about it. I would say fives also intellectualize fear. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. They they, they kind of push it out yeah. and like um and analyze it. Yes, which yes. is the externalization of it, and then the sixes keep it in, uh-huh. which is where the anxiety comes from. But we can go through each one of the numbers. But do you have any other thoughts about the triads? Um. Yeah. Well, just 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 okay. So as with any of it, like you'll you'll hear some of yourself and all the numbers. Yes, um. And it'll be like so. Just know that like yeah. um. You know, because you can have seasons of your life where you do feel like you're driven by guttural stuff or you're driven by your head or whatever. But, you know, just know that. And also, um, these are your drivers. It doesn't mean that you're not affected by the other parts. It just means that these are like your core. This is like the core thing that drives you. Yes. More so than the other ones. But the other ones are still drivers. And another thing to know is there's also wings. So, um, and you can only be a wing on the number next to you. So So what a wing means is... It's like, say I'm a four and I have a three wing, which means I can have characteristics of a three, three, but I am my, you can be the one next to you, but you can't be any of, you can't be a wing of the other ones, like all the other ones, just the ones on either side of you. So like she said, she could be four with a three wing or 
four with a five wing. Right. And I can be three with a two wing or three with a four wing. Right. And when you test, usually um, you will, there'll be the highest number and that would be your Enneagram number. And then the next closest number is your wing. But you don't always have a wing. I don't have a wing. Right. I'm right. all three. And then I have no other numbers come even close. Yeah. So you don't have to have a wing, but you could. Um, and the other thing is, is that there, when we'll talk about this more in just a second, but you can be a number and you go to another number when you're stressed, which, so for instance, I'm a three. So in stress and unhealthiness, I go towards the unhealthy characteristics of a nine. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm in growth, um, I draw from another number's good characteristics and healthiness. Yes. So I draw from the, the good parts of a six as a three. Uh-huh. And so um, and so I, re- I, I more closely resemble a healthy six as a healthy three. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me, but I can see how this could be like pretty confusing. Um, So just think of it like if you take your test and you feel like, well, this doesn't sound like me. Yeah. Look at, so any website you're on, but the one we link to, will have it pretty clearly. Um, Yes. Look at where you go. They call it stress or disintegration or growth and integration. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like your number is not really resonating. So for a long time, um, I'm a four, I in stress go to a two. Well, I yes. have three-year-old twins, so I've basically been in stress the last three years <laughs> of my life. So I yeah. thought I was a two. And then yes. when I took the test, I was like, wait a second. But I realized like, oh, well, I've just been perpetually in a state yes. of stress. So so if it kind of, just just know that it could, or if you're in a really healthy place, you'd be like, no, I think I'm this number. Yeah, and so, exactly. Um, but always we'll have like lots of links. Cause yes. And I highly recommend, and I'm, I'm not being paid to recommend this, just. That's but if anyone wants to pay us to recommend anything, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Ian Cron's, um, um, Ian Crone, sorry, I always pronounce it wrong. Ian Crone's um, book, The Road Back to You, is he does it for each one of the numbers as you read it. He gives your he gives you what you go to stress and what you go in growth, mm-hmm. and he gives you like if you're a three with a four wing, it tells you what that's like. It tells you what you're like in relationships and at work, yes. and what you were like as a kid. So I I, I think it's an very helpful. helpful tool. And he also has a podcast called Typology. So we'll link, yeah, there are some really good podcasts, Instagram feeds. We'll link to all that stuff too, so you have it. For sure, for sure. Okay, so let's start with the gut triad. So that starts with the eights. Mm -hmm. And the eights, they call them the challenger. The Enneagram calls them the challenger. And the the minute I start reading about it, you'll start thinking, every number, you'll start thinking of names of people that you know are are these numbers. But they are commanding and aggressive, but they're also super confident um, and very independent, fiercely independent. Mm-hmm. Um, they're intense. Um, they can be confrontational and antagonistic in their unhealthiness, and they never want to appear weak. So that's their motivation. Their core motivation is control so that they don't appear weak. Okay. And then, so what is their core fear? So their well, their their core their their core sin, their deadly sin is lust. Okay. And that's, um, it's a lust after not, not, we're not just talking about sexual lust here. We're talking about lust over any intensity, okay, um, any okay. excessiveness. Um, and they also tend to be very suspicious mm. and slow to trust people and they revenge when wronged. Okay. So, cause it's, it, it, they're, they're motivated completely by control. Ah, and, and see, that's, what's so fascinating. Yeah. Cause I can listen to that and be like, well, that sounds like me and my unhealthiness, but my motivation is, is different. different. My motivation is not control. So it's really what we're trying to get at is this is all about what motivates you to do exactly. this. So if you hear something, you're like, oh, well I do that. I'm probably an eight. Like think about, well, is it cause I'm being controlling or is it because I want to feel loved or is it because yes. of like whatever? So that's yes. what you have to keep in mind. Yeah. And, but on the healthy side of things, I don't mm-hmm. want to just 
paint at eights and a bad picture. And on the healthy side, they're really great friends because once you do gain their trust, you, it, they, you have it. Yeah. And so yeah. they're, they can be really great friends. They're awesome leaders. Some yes. of the, the, the best CEOs you know of, the best leaders of like, and not just like corporations, but like major nonprofits because mm-hmm. uh, they can be a channel for um, the common good because they can do what others say can't be done. Yes. And that's the big um, positive in an eight. Um, they're extremely truthful and honest mm-hmm. uh, because they do not care what other people think. So they don't have this need to be dishonest, to like cover things up or to make uh, people like them because yes. they could care less about people liking them. And they can have a tender side. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of what you think of like um, a teddy bear. Like they're kind of gruff on the outside, but real tender on the inside. Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. <laughs> very, um, very tender on the, uh, on the inside. I can speak to all this um, and I won't say too much because he'll kill me. But my husband is a, a the picture of an eight. <laughs> so um, I, I resonate a lot with this. And we did a fun thing. Rebecca and I did a fun thing where we um, thought of fictional characters. Yes. Uh, in books or movies or whatever that um, kind of give you a better picture of what these numbers are. So for the eight, I thought of Rhett Butler from mm-hmm. um, Gone with the Wind, which is funny because we'll get to the threes and Scarlett O'Hara um, is a three. And it's funny because my husband and I are three and eights. And I can see a lot in the relationship between them and us. So it's interesting. Um, if you like Gone with the Wind. Um, I thought of the Queen of Hearts from mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland. And we just talked about um, from Downton Abbey, uh, Maggie Smith's character, because she didn't. The Dowager Countess. Yeah, she didn't give a crap what people thought. The best so, character on Downton Abbey. And by super, far, oh, by for far. sure. A strong, strong character. And, and I think that's something we need to talk about is I think, especially in Christian um, spheres, um, male eights are praised Mm -hmm. and female eights are looked down upon. And even, I think, even culturally and in business world, you think of, like, really strong eight females and you instantly think of... She's a bitch. She's a bitch, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, which is not accurate, but that's the cultural um, perspective. And I know some wonderful female eights that um, get the job done and they don't care what people think and they're awesome. Yes. I appreciate the eights in my life. We love you, female eights. Yes. We love you. I need need you to tell me the things that I need to snap out of. Well, Um, and that's that's a really good, like, little segue, or not segue, tangent, that, you know, all of these in the healthy sphere Mm -hmm. reflect some aspect of God. Yes. That is a really beautiful thing. So if you're looking at your number and you're like, I think most people, when they see their number, you you kind of focus on what's negative about it. You're kind of like, oh, God, I do all these things wrong. But you need to look at it and say, like, gosh, like, I really do have an aspect of the Lord in this thing. So for an yes. eight, would you say it is that sense of, um, in a, not innovation. What, what would you say? Is well, um, innovation is good. Um, believing you can, that things can be done that other people can't be done. Think can't yeah. be done. Uh-huh. Um, like a healthy confidence, a healthy confidence. Um, they are able to get the job done. They're able to motivate people to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, um, spiritually speaking, they're the people that will speak into your life and tell you where, um, if they're healthy, they'll do it in a in a loving way, mm-hmm. a, in a way that they point you um, towards um, better spiritual health because yeah. they, they will point out things to you that you don't see in yourself. They'll, they're like the friends will tell you what you don't want to hear. But exactly, they know but in a great in a great yeah. way. Yeah. So that's your eights. Okay. So then moving along um, the the circle um, next is the nines, and that's the peacemaker. And 
they're your pleasant, laid back, accommodating, always needing to keep the peace, Mm -hmm. but their motivation is to avoid conflict at all costs. Mm -hmm. Um, And their deadly sin is um, sloth and not in a lazy, they don't do any work, but as in spiritual laziness, um, they have trouble making decisions and they engage in numbing behavior so that they don't have to make decisions and they don't have to confront. Mm-hmm. Not just confronting people, but just in confronting life in general. Yes. Uh, but in healthy, in a healthy way, and the positives of a healthy nine is that they're natural mediators. Mm-hmm. Um, they're unselfish. They're flexible. They're inclusive. They're open and receptive. So they can be lovely human beings. Yeah. They're they're the people you want to be friends with, and you want to be in your family, not because you want to take advantage of their peacemaking skills, because they're just lovely people. Yeah. Most nines that I know, especially the healthy ones, are. Just wonderful human beings. And I thought of um, Mr. Rogers. Oh. I mean, who doesn't love Mr. Rogers? Who doesn't love Mr. Rogers? <laughs> um, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. is a nine. Um, my favorite book of all time is Pride and Prejudice. And so if there are any Pride and Prejudice um, lovers out there, um, Jane, who's the middle sister, or the, the second sister, um, is she's the picture of a peacemaker. And then we thought of Harry Potter because we thought yes. of all the Harry Potter characters. <laughs> He's definitely a nine, the peacemaker um, in that relationship. Um, any other thoughts on nines? Uh, what is their, sloth is their deadly sin. Yes. Um, their motivation is to avoid conflict. Ah. Uh, ah, so like maybe internal conflict is yes. where the sloth comes in. Yes. Because they don't want to have to change. Exactly. So. Makes yes. sense. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's the nines. And um, they, they, they tend to retreat. And so for me, I'm a three. So in my unhealthiness, I go towards the bad parts of a nine, which is to retreat and not confront. And just like, mm. like when, when feelings start coming up and emotions start coming up, if I'm being unhealthy, then I just go and like, you kind of hide. Yeah. You hide. Yeah. You're, they're a hider. And I've spent a lot of my life hiding. And that is the nine. Yeah. Um, coming at the unhealthy. There's very healthy parts of nines, but that's the unhealthy part. Cool. Okay. The last in the gut triad is the ones. And that's the perfectionists. They're ethical. They're dedicated. They're reliable. They always want to live the right way. Um, they want to improve the world. And their motivation is to avoid, avoid fault and blame. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they are motivated to be perfect just because that's what you're supposed to be. And something um, we're going to try not to talk too much personally, but my husband's a one. And something, I mean, we had so much conflict because I didn't realize that he literally sees things black and white like ones actually see like this is the right way to load a dishwasher and ian Crum talks about that in his book yeah like this is the right way to do something and so if you don't do it the right way it's not that they're trying to be controlling it's not that they're trying to drive you nuts it's just that in their heads it really stresses them out like they're like no like you're doing it the wrong way why are you doing it the wrong way whereas most you know the other numbers are kind of like quit being that way but they're controlled deep down they just want it to be a certain way because yes. that is how they think. think. Oh, so it's interesting because I think that lots of times eights, which is like my husband and three is like me. Um, we think sometimes that we're a one and I've tested before as a one because I do have that kind of mentality of it's the perfectionist, the, rules, the perfectionism, but what's the motivation behind the perfectionism. Right. So right. for me, um, for ones, the motivation behind being a perfectionism is that you just do it. It's black and white. You do it the right way. Because you, you do, do it, it that right. way because it comes naturally to you. Exactly. Or most other numbers, you're trying I, to get something out of yeah, it. Yeah. So right. I'm, I'm being, I, in my perfectionism, it's because I'm masking imperfections and I right. want to be seen as perfect and, um, successful and I've got everything together. And eight, 
uses uses the right way as a controlling thing. You will do it my way because I know best. Yeah. And that's an eight. Ones don't have that motivation. Ones are people who follow a recipe to a T and yes. like cannot. So if you're like wondering if you're a one. Yes. That's one of the ways. Like yes. if you, if it drives you nuts when someone's like add a little bit of time and you're like, what does that mean? Like a quarter teaspoon? Like, I don't know. <laughs> if it stresses you out to think of a pinch of, here's my chef coming out. But if that stresses you out, you might be a one. I don't yes. know. Look into it. For <laughs> sure. Um, but their, their deadly sin is anger, mm-hmm. which is interesting because you would think the eight would be anger, but this is a different kind of anger. This is like a smoldering resentment because yes. no one can live up to your expectations. Not even yourself. Um, you assert, you assert control for relief and you get angry with people and yourself because they aren't doing it the right way. Yes. Um, if you're constantly like looking at other people and thinking, why are they doing it that way? They should do it this way. You're probably a one. Uh-huh. Uh, but in health, the great things about ones is that they're balanced. Uh-huh. A healthy one is very balanced. They're responsible and they just make the world a better place yes. because they tend to be very moral and ethical and fight for. They tend for to be the, justice minded. Yes, yeah. So you're yeah. lawyers, you're judges, yeah. you're lobbyists and you're activists. A lot of them are ones because they can see what ne- they can see what needs to be right and what needs to be done to make it right. Yes. So um, those are your ones. Um, we thought of Hermione Granger. She's perfect one. Perfect one. <laughs> is it from funny? Harry Potter. The perfect perfectionist. The perfect perfectionist. Hermione. Atticus Finch from um, To Kill a Mockingbird. He, of course, was a lawyer and fought for mm-hmm. justice. Um, and then Mary Poppins because, you know, everything was perfect. Magic. Poppins. And what did she not have in that bag? I don't even know. She yeah. Has all <laughs> yeah. If you if you have a friend that has everything in their bag, they're probably a one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, okay. So that's the gut tried. Any other thoughts about eight, nope. nines, and ones? Um, awesome. Okay. Then we're going to move into the two, threes, and fours, which is the heart feeling triad, which I thought was interesting because I'm a three. And for them to be put in there because I don't like feelings and emotions, but we do have them. Threes do have them. And a lot of them, we just push them away. So yeah. I think it's interesting that they, they fall into that category. So the two is the helper. So yes. um, warm, caring, giving. They're motivated by a need to be needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they avoid acknowledging their own needs. And a lot of times they don't even know what their own needs are. Yeah, exactly. Um, and their deadly sin is pride. Because they, their secret belief is that they know what's best for others and that they're indispensable. Yes. Like, I am needed. And if I am not here, if I'm not at this event, or if I'm not here to help this person, then it's all going to fall, fall apart. Right. They need me. And if they realize they are not needed in that way, it yes. can get very, like, destructive and they can have kind yes. of an existential crisis. And when they're unhealthy, they can, um, they're very codependent. So a lot of people that struggle with codependency are twos. Um, and they, they, I'm the only one who ever does everything. Right. Nobody else does anything. Right. I'm the only one. And I thought about Martha. She's definitely a two. And um, when she gets upset with Mary for not doing all the work. They're generous. They mm-hmm. love well. They're happy and secure. They have appropriate boundaries. So a healthy two has very good boundaries. And that's probably if you're a two. That's probably maybe where you should start is boundaries. Yes. Mm-hmm. And spiritual directors. And mentors are to and mental health people in general. Mental health people and to, yeah. to have safe spaces to be codependent in codependency. And so once they get healthy, usually um, almost all counselors that I know are twos. Yeah, for that reason, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of their bent. Of um, Rebecca brought up um, with her Greekness, um, <laughs> <laughs> to love for my yeah. yeah. And she always it was always about other people, and she didn't take her own needs into account. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you read the Hang, if you read Lord of the Wing, Rings, um, Samwise, Gamgee was a definite too. So kind of your sidekick, always helping, always mm-hmm. looking to the needs of others and not their own, um, which I know way too much about threes because I hate being a three and loving it, love it at all. Image con- conscious, they're wired for productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, they're optimistic, motivated by a need to be or appear to be successful and they avoid failure. Mm-hmm. So their core mm-hmm. motivation is to never to be seen as a loser or as a failure. Mm-hmm. And they, they want to be seen as worthy. Um, and they're, they have a huge fear of the narcissistic, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, habitual lying comes in. But um, so that act a false self. So um, they are, it's not so much to see of others, but just being that we need to be somebody that we're not mm-hmm. so that we can please everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot for finding grace for myself, especially mm. in just like small minor mistakes because yeah. I don't ever want to happen. Like you're yeah. the one who's like, here, let's do like you, you make it happen. And I mean, where yeah. would the world be without people? Love to set goals. So yes. in our healthiness, we're goal oriented. We rise to challenges and solve problems. Mm-hmm. Um, we are super confident because they've fought past that need to feel loved um, for someone who they're not and feel love for who they really are and yes. out of up on fictional threes. One of the ones that came up was Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. So he would be a, a definite narcissistic, unhealthy. He's three. the one who is chasing Belle. If you don't. Remember. Yes. And he's the one that just thought he Steve Jobs three, mm-hmm. um, very image conscious. I mean, he was, he got the, yes. Yeah. All the pretty things uh-huh. on the outside. So that's something three struggle with is yeah. shine, making the outside shiny and not dealing with the inside. And that's how I fought most of my life. Mm-hmm. And it, all of my efforts went towards making the outside. And I'm not talking. I'm not talking. It's really cool. And you've grown so much there. Yeah. It's awesome. I've grown a ton there just in the past like five or six years. Um, so he was interviewing another famous three and I'm just going blank on who it was. But when the, the, that th- experienced failure. And uh, Ian Crumb brought out um, that... If I had a major setback about um, six years ago that could that I definitely live to fail and that they can rise out of that. Yes. So, for sure. Um, okay, fours. Do you want to talk about what a four is since no, you're a four? No, go ahead. <laughs> you sure you don't I'll want interject. to? Um, anyways, fours are your creative, sensitive, move into the melodramatic, which we can. like. We see the beauty in sadness. Yes. Like, we yes. see the beauty in sad things yes definitely they're voted motivated by a need to be understood and to experience their big feelings and to avoid being ordinary which um <laughs> which, which explains my questionable tattoos <laughs> and my pink hair in um, my 20s. but um i love ian crone says they don't have feelings they are feelings yes uh, and i would say that was true of me before i started working on myself yeah and the lord started showing me these things because yeah i think um it, it can feel really, I mean, I don't know. I guess everyone feels this way about their number, but I remember just being horrified by it. But I've learned now that my feelings can be a tool for me. Yeah. And so I think that's been like a real hallmark of health is seeing like, okay, they don't have to have me. I yeah. can, I can yeah. have them. Definitely. Um, and so your deadly sin, you mentioned it earlier. Is, uh, is envy. So yes. fours, um, which is not envy, you know, it could be in any, um, it doesn't have to be envy, like, of people. It could be envy of—it's basically envy that 
you think you're missing something essential mm-hmm. if you're a four. Like, you think that there is some part of you missing and that everyone else has it. Yeah. So we experience a lot of FOMO. Yeah. Not driven by having fun. Like a like, seven. Like a yes. seven would be like, oh, yes. they had so much fun. For us, it's like, man, like, they have such a good marriage or they have such a cool house or mm-hmm. they have this. And, like, if I had that, then I'd be complete and whole yes. and acceptable and worthy. Yeah. So we deeply feel unacceptable and we try to make up for it by being really unique. And I remember yes. it's funny, like, to think about unhealthy versus healthy. I remember when, um, like, I've had, you know, OCD and stuff. And I remember in an unhealthy way, I almost was, like, prideful because I thought it made me special <laughs> yeah to have yeah. like a mental illness and that's such a weird thing to say yeah but it's totally understandable I have I know some people in my life who are for unhealthy fours who definitely pride themselves on the newest mental illness yes. that they do have or think that they have and that's something to be aware of because yeah. um you know if you're if you're looking for uniqueness I've learned there are a lot more healthy ways to find that yeah um, <laughs> Than finding it in in a mental illness, yes. Right, but it's interesting because I never really picked up on what I was doing. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm totally trying to. So it's, you know, we're very, we're also image conscious, but it's more so that we can prove that we're worthy. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I also um, have noticed in just my research that um, fours can definitely live with a lot of shame because they believe that they can't change. Mm -hmm. And they definitely um, lots of times play the role of a victim to either create or maintain relationships. Yes. Um, but in your health, you're wonderful human beings. You yes. consider, have a considerable emotional range and manage them well and help other people to uh, manage their emotions well and learn about their emotions. And that's been, that's the, the good part about our relationship and that I feel like you encourage me in that area to like, yeah. how are you feeling about this? How does this make you feel? And like being able to feel comfortable talking about that. Yeah. Um, the healthy fours in my life are good about that. And you're deeply creative. Um, mm. you're most, if you think of the most beautiful um, songwriters and poets, they're fours. Because mm-hmm. they can de- reach so deeply into emotion, human emotion. And they're able to like bring that to the masses in a way that is beautiful um, they're very attuned, like I said, to beauty. Like yeah. they just, like, that's why you're so We're good driven with. by beauty. We want yes. to be surrounded by it. Yes. Like, it, like your environment is very important yes. to you. Yes. So anytime you're going into a creative mode, your environment has to be a beautiful environment in order to reach creativity. Um, a lot of artists are fours because like for me, I'm have, don't have a creative bone in my body. That's not true. And I think a lot of it is not, you, if you can't, reach down into emotion and feelings it's hard to be creative and it's hard Uh, to see beauty and things um and they're very uh, healthy fours are very honest and very connected to people um which is awesome i will say something you said um about the relationships that is something i have just learned in the last like year or so that um you maintain relationships what did you say by Playing being a victim. victim. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize I did that. This is another reason the Enneagram is so helpful. And yeah. then, you know, you realize it and then you're like, oh God, I do it all the time. This is terrible. <laughs> yes. um, but, you know, even though I have a tendency to shame, I have ch- chosen, I've made a yes. choice to say, you know what? I do have that tendency. I am that person. My friends call me sometimes and I'm like, well, my eczema is flaring up or, you know, like yes. whatever. And <laughs> don't all rush to be my friend. I'm really fun. Um, but I, (laughs) (laughs) but now that I notice that about myself, it could lead me to just this spiral or I can just notice when I'm doing it and say, Oh, I don't want to do that. That's not how I want to be. And I can choose different. And it's actually been like 
not easy, but it hasn't been that hard to change it because I yeah. can see it. So yeah. anyway, just yes, Enneagram is good. It's good to know these horrible, embarrassing things about yourself. So fun um, fictional characters that are four. Yes. Um, I just remember listening to something one time and somebody said, if you think Edward Scissorhands, <laughs> you think, I love that guy. I so resonated with that movie. Then you're probably a four. Yeah. Because I thought Edward Scissorhands and thought it was the weirdest thing ever. And, and like, I loved him. <laughs> I was like, I get you. Yes. Get you. So melodramatic. Um, so um, Tim Burton's actually a four. Yeah. And that totally makes sense because all of her, all of his movies and his creature, his creations and his characters totally makes sense. I mean, I'm sure Johnny Depp's a four. He has to I, be he a has four. To be. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, and so, um, so if you're listening, Johnny, we know you're a four. Anyway, <laughs> Um, Anne of Green Gables, which is one of my favorite books of all times. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne Shirley was a four. Um, okay. Dorian Gray. Yes. We unhealthy four. Very unhealthy four. Um, Belle, um, Beauty and the Beast Belle, was a four. Totally four. And it's just interesting because Anne Shirley and Belle, um, those are some of my favorite characters as a little girl. So it's just interesting as a three that there's this hunger mm-hmm. to like have those feelings come out. Yeah. And as a three... Um, I think we have a desire to be unique, too, in a different way than a four. It's more of we want to be, like, seen as unique and loved for being unique. Uh-huh. Um, and so we aren't, like, in our unhealthiness, we um, try to project another image. But what we really want is to be loved for who we are. Right. In a unique way. So that's why I think I really resonate with those characters, even though I'm not a four. Okay, the next triad is the head triad. Mm-hmm. So they live in their heads more so, and they're more fear-driven. Um, so the first is the five, which is the investigator. So they're deeply analytical. They observe and collect knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, they can. They tend to be detached and private. They they're, question things a lot. Yes, yes, they question. And they're like, a, like lots of people claim they're introverts, and they are introverts in certain ways. Like, this is your true introvert. Yes, yes. Um, they're moti- motivated by a need to gain knowledge to conserve energy and they don't want to rely on others. Uh-huh. So they are, their life motivation is to collect knowledge and collect things so that they don't have to rely on anybody. Yeah. So they're like kind of, they would be good. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Recluse, uh, not recluse. Uh, I can't get it, but good people to like go live in the woods by themselves. Like, yes. a, like a Thoreau was probably. Yes. A, oh, I'm sure. A five. I'm sure he was a five. <laughs> um, they're the exact opposite of being ruled by feelings. Mm-hmm. The opposite of it. Their deadly sin is avarice, which a lot of people may not know what that word means. It's an old word, but um, it's pretty much a hoarder so that they uh, can be independent. They hold uh-huh. back. And they don't just hoard things. They hoard their love. They hoard their affection. Oh, um, because they um, are so worried about giving of them, giving too much away mm-hmm. because they may need it. So they're constantly grasping at keeping things. Yes. Knowledge, love, affection, all of those things. Um, they can be judgmental, cynical, and sarcastic. Um, all so, out of fear. All out of fear, yes. Um, and as a self-defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, but in health, they have a very long view of things. So they're very good planners. Mm-hmm. They, they're very knowledgeable. They have a depth of knowledge. I mean, like an Albert Einstein or Stephen Hawking, the, your most brilliant minds are normally fives because uh-huh. they're just so analytical. Um, and, but in their health, they're willing to share their findings with other people to make the world a better place. Uh, so instead of hoarding their their findings and their knowledge, they they give it yes. to make the world better. Um, and they can be super, they're just super calm people. Um, and so they're very steady. They're mm. your steady um, mm-hmm. type of people. Um, I don't know a ton of fives. 
Um, but the, a lot of um, the college professors that I know. We have a mutual are, friend who's a five. We do have a mutual friend who's a five, who's a very typical five. Yeah. Um, they're, they are just the people that if, they're just super knowledgeable. And yeah. like I said, college professors, because lots of times fives, maybe not knowledgeable at everything, but they have one or two things that they're extremely yes, knowledgeable yes. about, whether it's physics or an even, or even just black hole theory within physics. Like they're uh-huh. your, they're your extremely heady intellectual people because they have a focus on one thing. What's their course in? Did you say that? Avarice. Avarice. Oh, so right. hoarding. Okay. okay. Hoarding. hoarding of things. Hoarding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, so we were thinking of fictional, um, fives, uh, Sherlock Holmes is the perfect uh, picture of um, uh, a five. I mean, he's a healthy five. Yeah. But he's a five. I mean, he, he's trying to make the world a better place and good and solve mysteries. Uh-huh. Um, Matilda. Matilda. Who you always really um, said you and my daughter's reading Matilda right now and loves her. And um, Harriet the Spy. Harriet the Spy. That, which yes. is funny. You said you were into the fours <laughs> as a kid, even though you're three. Apparently, my two favorite literary heroines as a kid were both fives, which yes. is very interesting because I, I think I crave that sense of being in your head and yes. knowledge outside of feeling. So it's funny how we're sort of drawn to yeah. um, it's people in, not like us. It's interesting. I, I was just thinking about that, too, with, like, the people that I'm most drawn to mm-hmm. are fours mm-hmm. because I want to be more feelings and a um, oriented and more emotional and I love art and music mm-hmm. and I'm drawn to creativity um, and I'm also drawn to sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my best friends are sevens because <clears throat> as a three, I'm very risk averse mm-hmm. and I'm very not spontaneous. <laughs> um, and, but I love being around people who are fun and adventurous and spontaneous. So it's funny how, who we're drawn to yes. based on what we don't have and what we're lacking. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Absolutely. Okay. Fives are good, though. We like fives. We do like fives. The world needs fives. The world definitely needs fives. Um, that's, those are the people that cure cancer and yes. um, create new airplanes and, and space travel and all of that. Or, you're, you know, your rocket scientists and uh-huh. your, your brain um, neurologists. Those are, those are all your fives, typically. Okay, six. Um, sixes are the loyalists. Um, they're committed. They're practical. They're witty and charming but they're worst case scenario thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're motivated by fear and a need to feel secure. So they tend to be kind of neurotic. Yes. Yes. Um, they want to be a part of a team. They don't trust themselves enough to do stuff independently. They want to mm-hmm. be, they want to be a part of a collaboration, okay. which has its positive and negatives. Obviously um, they find danger in everything. Um, they ought and one of their big um, issues, a part of their deadly sin is they turn to authority figures and belief systems rather than to God to provide them support and security. Um, they're, mm-hmm. So they're the type of people who are always going to the next, like, guru. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they don't trust themselves. It's interesting that they don't go to God or, G- you know, you would yes. think that it would push you to that. Well, in really. your healthiness, you should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would. But they, but in their unhealthiness, they they have trouble trusting God and trusting themselves. Yeah. So they look to the outside yes. world and, and, the, and the next big thing to help them get past their anxiety and their fear. Um, they're some of the, the funniest people uh-huh. um, because they are self-deprecating and they leverage their anxiety um, into humor. Mm-hmm. And so they can, they, they can in their health, in a healthy way, they make fun of themselves yes. in a way that everybody appreciates and everybody um, relates to. Um, they're very productive. They're very logical they organize themselves around the common good. They're loyal, honest, and reliable. That's why they're called the loyalists, mm-hmm. because in their health, um, 
they are able to be um, just really good friends and they're clear eyed judges of character. Mm. Um, they have a lot of discernment. And once you gain their trust, which is very hard earned, you have it for life. And that's why they're called the loyalists. They, they're just really great friends. Yeah. Um, and so we thought of, we, we actually thought of a lot of sixes. Um, but one of them was George Costanza. <laughs> It's which he's it's an, so extremely unhealthy. Um, actually, a lot of the Seinfeld characteristics, because Larry David's most likely a six. So all of the Seinfeld <laughs> characters, is, um, and that's why we love them so much. Yeah. It's because they're character, caricatures of these neurotic um, things that just, like, draw us to them. Yeah. And so he's definitely a six. Um, um, Hamlet, um, if you read Shakespeare. Um, Ron Weasley yes. from Harry Potter because he was always very nervous and mm-hmm. anxious. But very loyal. But very extremely loyal to Harry Potter. So, um, yeah. So those were um, our sixes. Love sixes. Don't know a lot of sixes. It's interesting. I wonder if there's statistics on the amount of people in the world that are certain numbers. Like I know if there it's is like for like Myers-Briggs. Yeah, I wonder if it's like an even. I know, it's probably not an even it's distribution. Not even. I, I can only, I only know one six, I think. I love her to death, though. She's. Are really, they really are great friends. They are. They are. They're they awesome are. friends. Um, and if they if they can get to a healthy level of their anxiety, they they are. They're just great people. What's their um, course in fear? Fear. Okay. Yeah. Fear is the course. And then what's their um, what's their like uh, deepest fear or um, to feel insecure? Okay. Like yes, to okay. not for not everything not to work out. Okay. Okay, like, okay, they're okay. always thinking of the absolute worst thing that can happen. And this is one of those, if this is, like, your stress wing. Yes. You know, like, sometimes people can hear that and be like, yes. well, I may. A lot of people are anxious. Yes. But, but again, why are you anxious? Why are you anxious? Exactly. And the opposite of that is I go to six in my health. So mm-hmm. threes go to six in health, which means I take on the, um, the kind of um, loyal right. friends. um putting other people above my own image mm-hmm. in, in my health. And so I go towards six in that. But there are, there are people who you might, in your unhealth, go towards six. And so then you're anxiety-driven. Um, okay, the last one's the enthusiasts. They're everybody's favorite. <laughs> I love sevens. I mean, everybody might not, but I love sevens because yeah, I do too. They, um, they just are, they're your fun. Um, they crave stimu- stimulation. Mm-hmm. They're spontaneous, adventurous. Um, goofy. They just embody joy and a love for life. They're just, they are super optimistic and just want, are always looking for a good time. These are the people who probably always have a bottle of champagne in their fridge just in case. Yes, like, exactly. I want to know if you're seven, tell me, do you do that? Or however you celebrate. I yes. Yes. True. Or you just always have like a party platter ready yes. to feed people. Yes. Um, and they're motivated by a need to be happy and to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. So, um, in their unhealthiness, that their deadly sin is gluttony, mm-hmm. and so to avoid pain when they're super unhealthy, they gorge on positive things, um, and they're never satisfied. Not always food. Not right. always food. Yeah. Yes. And so it's not just gluttony um, in that you eat too much, but anything that they're never satisfied. Um, they can be reckless and more prone to addiction mm-hmm. um, because they're constantly trying to um, cover the pain and avoid pain. Yes. And so they, the next fun thing. Uh-huh. Um, so they can have a tendency to drink too much or eat too much or w- binge watch too much TV. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're, they have trouble not being all or nothing. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, they feel sorry for themselves uh, or like they've been dealt an unfair hand. 
Mm. Um, and But in health, they're not just fun and adventurous, but they're also usually super spiritually grounded hmm. and practical and resilient. And so I, I think about my favorite sevens in my life, and that's what they are to me. Yeah. Um, they're fun, and they're always up for a good time, and they make me be spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, they they say, hey, let's go do this, and it's not planned, but it makes me want to go. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a planner, and I don't like to do things outside of my plan, but they make me want to do it. Yeah. Um, and they are usually very spiritually grounded. Um, at least my my closest seven friends said that that's the reason why I love having them in my life, is they yeah. just ground me. Because um, they, in their health, they're very, they can be very balanced. Yeah. Um, and when I we thought of sevens, um, I thought about Holly Golightly from, uh-huh. um, she was always up for uh, the next party and good time, but she was definitely doing it to cover pain for Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, Peter Pan, mm-hmm. like that's just a characteristic seven, uh, just always wanting to be childlike. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we thought about Joey Tribbiani for friends, <laughs> which I thought was great because there's probably an Enneagram for each one of the friends. Monica was definitely a one. So it's just fine. Oh, and, um, and Chandler's a five, I think. Uh, you think? Or six. Oh, yeah. Anxious. The anxious. Yeah. yeah I Maybe he has probably a wing. six. Maybe he has a wing. Um, Phoebe. She's God, a seven or a four. She's probably a four, unfortunately. I think. Yeah. She's probably a four. Phoebe's. Phoebe's. Um. <laughs> so it's fun just to like um, uh, think about those um, different characters that we know of. Um, but while you're thinking about them, there is a danger in starting yes. to type the people in your life. And Ian Definitely. talks about this in his book. And it's something that, um, so a lot of times there's a temptation when, you know, you do a personality test, you immediately like, oh, well, this, and I do this all the time. I tell my friends, like, you're a seven and you're a two or like whatever. That's not really helpful. Um, yes. Mostly because you don't really know people's internal motives. Yeah. Outside of you and God, nobody can know you that deeply. So it's really yes. something you have to identify for yourself. Yes. And it can get confusing if somebody says, I think you're this, yes. but you really feel like you're a different one. And then that gets confusing. But also, there is a danger. Do you want to talk about with our kids? Yeah, definitely. Um, so he also talks about, and other people have talked about, not typing your kids. And this goes across the board with any kind of personality test. Yeah. They're still developing into their person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a pretty good idea of what my oldest daughter is. I have no idea what my son is yet, but I would never tell her that. Right. I don't, you don't ever want to box them in because what will happen then is they'll start living into that even if they're not that. Right. So you don't, you don't want to do that to your children. So even though you might want to know what they are and, and tell them what they are, um, I think he gives like the teenagery age, like, I mean, like you said, young adult, like, yeah. um, that's more of the time for them to start thinking about this stuff. I wish I would have thought about it more when I was in my twenties. Um, but definitely that the young children's not good to, to type them. And it's so funny when you start really getting into this and you start talking to people about it, people want you to type them. Mm-hmm. And I have to be very careful because I have studied it so much and I'm oftentimes right. Yeah. But I never want to type people. And I've done it a couple of times and been wrong and then yeah, felt yeah, bad yeah. about it. And so, or I could have skewed their test results or whatever. Right. So I have to be real careful. And I also don't want to be that person. It's a fine line between being self-aware and understanding the people around you and their numbers and then constantly being like, oh, you're such a four. Well, and you it's know? like, it's a fine line between excusing behavior based on yes. it too, you know, yes. because ultimately we all are called to be the healthy, mature version of our number. So, yes. right. Like if you just always were like, well, Rebecca felt bad today, so we didn't record. Like that wouldn't be okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, definitely. 
It's, it's, it's recognizing those patterns in people and loving them for who they were created to be without, yeah, making excuses. And that's where grace them. comes in. Yeah, definitely. Which is our next episode. Yes, we're going to, um, we're going to do a few episodes on grace and what is grace and how we give grace to others and how we give grace to ourselves. And um, we can't do that unless we know ourselves and God and others. Unless you know why you need it. Yeah, exactly. Right? So exactly. awesome. That's good. Anything else on the Enneagram? I think we're good. I think we've beaten into the ground. I think, it, <laughs> I think the dead horse has been buried. Um, but we hope this was helpful. Yes. Uh, it's such a, it's a really, I feel like this would have been better on video maybe or in person because we had a lot of hand gestures um, and a lot of <laughs> I always have a lot enthusiasm. Of hand gestures. <laughs> but um, if you have questions or any of that, we're going to have some pretty in-depth show notes for this yes. one. There's a lot of great resources out there. Yep. Um, also, we'll send a couple good podcasts to you. Um, but yeah, I think that was good. Hope That's it was it. helpful. Yeah. Thanks for coming today. All right. See you later.